everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris, and we are jumping into Judges again. And uh, we promised you yesterday that we were going to pick up the story of Abimelech. So those of you that have, have no fear. There you go. He's, Abimelech he's is here. here. I mean, if you were like, man, what are we going to hear? The anticipation is over. You're going to find out right now. So Abimelech, good guy or bad guy, Chris? Not an easy question <laughs> to answer. Uh, you're going to start to see a repeated theme in this book. Uh, and this book definitely has leaders starting better and getting worse. So the longer we go in this book, the worse these guys get. And I think even in some ways the... We, we want to make sure that we don't moralize these stories, that Judges is not a good book to do for a leadership study. It's not designed that way. It's not supposed to be, well, what do we learn from this judge, that judge? They're all actually relatively messed up. The hero of the story is not the individual judges. The hero of this entire book is God, and it's showing that he's accomplishing his purposes even in spite of all this these dark days of disobedience that's happening. So... I would not encourage judges to be your your proof text for your series on leadership development. Uh, I don't think that's what it's intended. And we see that there's just, yeah, even these guys that are somewhat good, they've got some pretty nasty things going on. What was some of the nastiness that uh, Abimelech participated in, Ryan? What did you see? (laughs) Well, he killed all of his brothers. And we're not just talking like a few brothers. Like I, you know, we've got seventy brothers on one stone, so it's probably like a big stone. <laughs> or yeah. Anyway, <laughs> either way, it's not a pretty picture. Um, seventy brothers, which I mean that that in itself is a bit of a power play. That these are your threats to the kingdom. This is your threats to an inheritance. So let's wipe them all so, out. So even that is directly against God. I mean, like God, oh. God has said, like you don't need a king, but. So Abimelech is declaring himself a king, but he's also doing all the things that like a worldly king would do. Like we need to eliminate cut the off competition. All these lines, they need to be gone. Um, so he, he's just he's not good. Yeah. Um, and we know by the the people that are living under his rule, I guess they don't think he's good either. Yeah, there's a whole parable that we read yesterday about just basically this idea of like he's not really a good guy. He's not. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't be following him, uh, but. He is the man of the hour that uh, the people are leaning into. And then those that cross him, they it's not just his brothers he kills. Uh, he kills thousands of people in the Tower of Shechem. There's a lot of death. There's oh. a lot. Of, and he's actually, he's actually trying to murder the next group of people and is unsuccessful yeah. due to a millstone. And uh, even if, we, if you step back from Judges a little bit, it is helpful because the people who would have been reading this book for the very first time, the people who would have seen these records, they would probably be somewhere around the time of David. So there is an aspect of what we're doing in Scripture right now that things are building towards David. And so really the entire book of Judges is going to stand in a stark contrast to what a good king actually looks like. These evil, messed up judges and these dark days of Israel compared to a faithful king of David that will eventually come. So that's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but we are eventually heading towards a good king, good King David. Uh, One of the things I was noticing just as we read through these stories, like if you pay attention to like the setting and the context, you get like these little hints of all the unfaithfulness that's out there. Um, So 
the 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 first the first story that we deal with today in today's reading is that there's this huge drunken party at the local temple to the local god. Okay, so we don't we don't get like we get this picture of God telling the people what to do, and then we enter this period of judges. So you don't get stories about like, and then they build up tons of temples and high places. But we see that that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the fruit of it. You see, yeah, the, like the result of it. There's obviously been a very serious degradation of faith in Yahweh, um, and so we get this picture of this huge drunken party uh, where they're like supposed to be recognizing the local god, and this is where Gale is shouting out about how much he hates Abimelech. And in most of the pagan worship of other idols. It was sex was involved. So this is not just a party. This is, I mean, to be blunt, this is an orgy. Right. And, and, and again, like you get, you get these sons of prostitutes. Well, that's not actually that unique or interesting because of all these drunken orgies that are in support of local gods. So of course there's sons of prostitutes all over the place because that is actually a keystone of what their faith practice is. And God hates all of that. And we're, we're really starting to see it here in Judges, and we're going to see this for literally hundreds of years to come, that uh, Israel keeps doing evil. And one of the ways that is most talked about that they do evil is that they serve Baal. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I has stuck with me all these years is I actually, uh, someone showed me what a Baal looks like. You can see them in different museums yeah. and things like that. And you, you can read this text and think like, there's this giant stone idol, you know, it's this fierce looking thing. Baal is actually two or three inches tall. So all of this worship and, and like reverence literally is, is taking place in front of two inch high statues. And the thing that drifted Israel's heart away from God, the God of the universe, a real God was a two inch piece of stone, you know? And that's just like, oh, like how, (laughs) this is so sad that somehow this counterfeit uh, was, became the object of their affection. It is a two inch piece of stone that is also supported by drunken orgy parties. Yeah. That probably was a little bit of uh, an enticement. Yeah. Yeah. True. That, that is a good point. Well, thankfully we don't have to worship Yahweh in that manner uh, because he is alive and he is much bigger than two inches as we see throughout this book. Guys, this is uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep going down into the darkness of judges. We so are. we're we're gonna actually uh, pay a little bit of attention to Jephthah tomorrow. So the same kind of thing. For some reason, they split up the story of Jephthah. So we're gonna hear a little bit about Jephthah today, but we're gonna really dive into Jephthah tomorrow. So gonna see the darkness of Jephthah tomorrow. Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll All see right. you tomorrow. Bye. Judges 9, starting in verse 22. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in his treachery and murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gael, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely, and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is Abimelech? Gael shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem, so why should we be his servants? He's merely the son of Gideon, and this Zebul is merely his deputy. Serve the true sons of Hamor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. 
But when Zebul, the leader of the city, heard what Gael was saying, he was furious. He sent messengers to Abimelech in Aruma, telling him, Gael, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem, and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it's daylight, attack the city. When Gael and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and all his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gael was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, It's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But again, Gael said, No, people are coming down from the hills, and another group is coming down from the road past the diviner's oak. Then Zebul turned on him and asked, Now where is that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go and fight them. So Gael led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him, and many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell among the road as they retreated to the city gate. Abimelech returned to Aruma, and Zebul drove Gael and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out into the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the tower of Shechem heard what had happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal-berith. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple. So he led his forces to Mount Zalmon. He took an axe and chopped some branches from a tree, then put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told the men. So each of them cut down some branches following Abimelech's example. They piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who lived in the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armor-bearer, "'Draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech.' So the young man ran him through with his sword, and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his seventy brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. After Abimelech died, Tola, son of Pua, son of Dodo, was the next person to rescue Israel. He was from the tribe of Issachar, but lived in the town of Shemir in the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel for 73 years. When he died, he was buried in Shemir. After Tola died, Jer from Gilead judged Israel for 22 years. His 30 sons rode around on 30 donkeys, and they owned 30 towns in the land of Gilead, which are still called the towns of Jer. When Jer died, he was buried in Kaman. 
Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Ashtoreth, and the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of the Amorites, that is in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally, they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because we have abandoned you as our God, and we have served the images of Baal. The Lord replied, Did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amicalites, the Maonites? When they oppressed you, you cried out to me for help. I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods, so I will not rescue you anymore. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord, and he was grieved by their misery. At that time, the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead, and the people of Israel assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, Whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked the elders of Gilead, sent for Jephthah in the land of Tom. The elders said, Come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, Aren't you those ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders, Let me get this straight. If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me the ruler of all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, saying, Why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River and all the way to the Jordan. Now then, give back that land peaceably. Jephthah sent this message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived in Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom, asking for permission to pass through his land, but their request was denied. Then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the other side of the Arnon River. But they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon. 
asking for permission to cross through the land to get to their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over King Sihon. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, and from the eastern wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it back to you? You keep whatever your God Shemosh gives you, and we will keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war against them? Israel has been living here for 300 years, inhabiting Heshbon and its surrounding settlements, all the way to Eror and his settlements and all the towns of the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to recover it before now? Therefore, I have not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord who is judge decide today which of us is right, Israel or Ammon. But the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.